If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Oh, I hope you're doing unbelievable, because we have a terrific guest this evening. Our featured guest does not speak in front of millions of people, sold out arenas. He does not have a best-selling book, and he does not sit on top of a mountain where people from all over the world come and pay tribute and listen to his wisdom. At least not yet. But I believe this gentleman's future is very bright. He, I discovered him on Twitter, and he's got this interesting stream of consciousness. He's a great critical thinker, advocate of liberty, and he raises a lot of questions. And when he raises questions, he gets other people to talk about it. And I think it's terrific. And it is a sign of a person that is trying to do whatever they can you know, to promote liberty. We need more people promoting liberty. And I think when people have a very unique perspective on that, it's even better. But I believe that this gentleman will know about him from years to come. And I'm really glad we had the opportunity to sit down. Let us begin tonight's show. One. It's a joy to welcome to our show, Josh, who is known as the hard hat intellectual. We'll learn more about him on Twitter by following his account at the hard hat intellectual. Josh, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you. One of the reasons why I wanted to have you on Outer Limits is because I enjoy the types of questions that you are raising, you're at, you're raising a lot of questions. You're also somebody who's just provoking a lot, which I really enjoy. I think it's good. And the thing that really captivated me about your kind of, one thing I really got into is you did this video about how all these deaths from COVID, they never quite talk about people dying in their houses. They're like, no, everyone dies in the hospital. They don't die like in their homes. They don't die in their car. They always die in the hospital. So just to start things off, as somebody who just asked a lot of questions, what do you make of what's happening right now? What is your initial perspective? Oh, uh, as of right now, I mean, I pretty much came to the conclusion that, you know, there is no political representation on neither side, you know. I don't know if uh, any of your listeners are familiar with Julius Caesar, but Julius Caesar had a saying, he goes, if you want to prevent them from revolting, you shall give them bread and circus. And it's all theater. You know, they control the counter narrative and the narrative, but 
COVID is definitely a narrative. You know, it's been framed, it's been pumped into a lot of people's soft minds for the entire year now. Um, but there was a, the, the problem right now, I, I feel, is, you know, we have an overflow of information. There's constant narrative shifts, narratives within the grand narratives. That's pretty much how narrative theory works. It's like mechanical. You have the grand narrative, which is the overall narrative, but then you have a bunch of other little narratives that go into motion within that main narrative. And what that's designed to do is to make people forget little contradictory things that are part of that grand narrative. And I'll give you an example. When COVID first started, I remember like it was yesterday, I was in the gym and they were showing footage of like uh, Chinese people dropping in the streets, just dropping dead in the streets, right? And I don't know why I remembered it, but when I, before I made that video, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I haven't seen anyone drop dead in the streets in America. I'm like, matter of fact, I haven't seen anyone really get found dead in their homes. I haven't really heard anything about, you know, homeless people dying in mass numbers. They have the least ask, access to any type of sanitation and things like that. So I started asking that question and I, and I came to the conclusion that almost every COVID death was getting marked down in the hospital. And I was like, that just doesn't seem like the way a pandemic should work. And it just brought me to the conclusion that it's just the grand narrative. You know what I mean? And I, I actually went a little further to that. And I think the, the real grand narrative is, is the political narrative. You know, they have the country divided into these two sides and both sides think that their side is actually fighting for the right thing when both sides are actually the same. There's no difference between the two. Don't you think they were dividing us before then? Like, what did they need to do this? What, what was it about this particular uh, thing that, that they needed to do? Because at this point, I'm seeing something different. I'm seeing a lot more. I walk into stores. When I see somebody without a mask, I walk up to that person. And I go, what's happening there? Well-adjusted, normal human being. And there's just like this instant rapport. And I wouldn't know if that person has different values than me at all. But there's just an, an instant rapport. And it's awesome. And I don't know what the divide is, but I, I, I don't. As long as people aren't leave, are leaving me the hell alone, I don't care. But they're not. They just get a little more feisty and annoying. And I'm just curious, from your perspective, why would they need this to further divide the country when the country is already divided enough and people already hated each other enough prior to this whole thing happening? Well, I, I feel the reason for them doing that is because you know they're pushing a lot of things that are very dangerous things to push. You know, transhumanism is one. Um, a lot of people think transhumanism is a good thing. I think it's a very bad idea. Uh, you know, the climate change, I think climate change is going to actually be just as bad as COVID, if not worse. I think a lot of people are going to have to live their life a certain way based on policy that's passed in relation to climate change. You know, only driving your car certain days a week, not being able to drive unless your car's electric. You know, your whole, your whole living, your your whole process and the way you're familiar with living is going to change. And it's going to change rapidly unless people really catch on to this. And the way to prevent them from catching on to this, you know, is these little narratives. You know, you got the critical race theory and the racial narrative, you know, that, that causes divide, the whole racism talk, uh, the vaccine mandates, things like that. And by them doing that, it keeps the population distracted from what they're actually trying to do because they, they want to control both sides of the population. They're not going to give leeway to neither side. What they're aiming at one side, they're aiming at the other. You're, everyone's going to endure what they want. And that's what people don't understand. And that's why I was, I, that's why I mentioned the Julius Caesar quote, you know, he said, if you want to prevent the masses from revolt, you just give them bread and circus. You give them theater, you give them little things to bicker about. You constantly keep them bombarded 
with an overflow of information, which now, I mean, if Julius Caesar could do it back then, in those days, we're talking the, the Roman days, you know what I mean? If he could do it back then, imagine how easy it is to do now. Oh, it's incredible. We're talking about Brendan Sarkis, keep the masses pacified and, and happy. Why would they instigate this whole supply chain crisis? What would be the purpose of that? Are they going like, to, I mean, I know people are really stupid. I mean, I am actually, I don't know about you, but I'm like, inc- I feel like it's like a work of beauty to see how some stupid some people are. It's just like amazing. It, it, it's, I don't know, it's like beautiful and horrifying because it's really not yeah. stupid. But I, 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 you think they're doing this so they can blame the supply chain crisis on the uh, people who haven't gotten the vaccine? I mean, what's, what do you think yeah. is the reason behind it? I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna definitely play into you know the unvaccinated narrative to you know keep fueling a divide. Absolutely, I don't see them having any reason not to. Um, I also see them doing it to also control. I mean, they've already had this control there. They've already had ways to do this control. I mean, if you think about it, they own the ways in which you would trade your food and the ways in which you would trade all of your. You know, the ways you would get your food, the way you would get your supplies, they've always controlled that. So at the end of the day, you have no control over that. They control it already. So they can just make up this narrative. They can blame it on anything they want. The country's already divided. People are already on edge. We've seen how people reacted over toilet paper. Imagine how they would react over food. And then if, if society really falls into disarray, now they can really drop the iron hammer. They have a reason to. People are going crazy. They're, they're killing each other in the streets. They're, they're mobbing the stores for food. Now that's their excuse to drop the iron hammer. And that's all it's about. That's all it's about. That's all it's ever been about. Because they, they can and they, they will. If society doesn't wake up to this fact that these people don't care nothing about you, they don't care anything about your kids, they don't care anything about if you eat or not, they don't care. And it goes for both sides. If you, if you haven't noticed yet, right? The Republican side, the conservative side, the patriot side, right? They constantly complain about the things that their voting base already knows about. But they do nothing about it. They knew all this stuff was going to happen. They did nothing about it. They let it happen. Why would they do that? <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? And, and, and the reason why the divide plays into that is because when you divide a population to the point where they get to cognitive dissonance, when it comes to the political representation on that side, they won't question it. And you could see, well, like, if you call out anything that Trump would, that you disagree with Trump, right? I'm, I, I supported him. I liked the guy. I did. But if you call out anything that you didn't like, you'll see it on this side too. You'll see it. You'll see people get all, they get on edge. And they're like, oh, why would you call? You know, that's not why. And it's like, you're the same as the other side. You can't see any of the wrongdoings on your side. And now you have a population divided thinking that they have two sides of political representation that's actually representing the population that's divided, when in actuality, they are the same entity. And they're using a narrative and a counter-narrative to entrap that entire population that they have divided. And that's the bread and circus. And it's, it's a nasty tactic. Yeah, it's, sick. it's, it's pretty, pretty nasty. Larkin it's, Rose points it out. Did you ever listen to him at all, Larkin? Uh, I've listened to him a couple of times. Briefly, yeah. I think he, he's got some really interesting points, but I agree with that. They're all trying to do this and put it all together. But one thing, they kind of one side. I think they they're trying to they pit each other, pit these two sides against each other. But for those who love liberty and those who questioned, who are not trapped into this, I, I wonder if it's more about escaping a, a COVIDian cult. Jim Rickards was calling that like last year. 
And Jim's really been sharp on that. He says it's like one big global cult. Do you see it as a cult? And um, is there any particular reason why you know, you, you're different than most people and why other people just naturally will not be inclined to believe this and get caught up in this? I mean, I, de- I definitely see a lot of cult-like behavior. Uh, you know, I, I would say cult slash tribal behavior. You know, I, 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 I prefer to look at, look at it as a tribe. You know, yeah, they have their, their certain, you know, little little niches that they they are inclined to, like the mask wearing and you know the social. They, they have all that, but every cult does, or every tribe does. But they're very tribal. You know, they 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 you speak out against them, the tribe attacks. You know, and and and, and you see that everywhere right now. So I would definitely say that that that's a very true statement. Um. As far as, you know, people that love freedom and liberty, and, and this is where I've been going with a lot of stuff is, you know, I think for many years before this, we were already almost not free. I don't think people know what freedom actually is. You know, people... How would you define it? How would you define freedom? freedom? Yeah. For somebody who doesn't know, some, some people think that they're free and they're still in the system. What is true, genuine freedom to you? True, genuine freedom to me would be somebody who does not let the outside society influence their tastes, influence their opinions, control the way they think about the world, the way they view the world. Everything about somebody is basically a projection of the society that they grew up in, the way you talk, the clothes you wear. You wouldn't like any of that stuff without society grooming you into that. So you're not free. You're not even yourself. You haven't asked yourself who you are in the longest time. You know, people think about, you don't think about speech, you know, the words you use the way you feel. Why do you feel some of the ways you feel? You know, if you feel love, right? How do you know what love is? Because when you were growing up, somebody said, hey, you see that behavior over there? See how those two people are acting? That's called love. And every time you see that behavior or that behavior is projected onto you, you're supposed to feel the same way. But if you never heard those words spoken or seen that behavior, would you still know what love is? And if so, is it real? Are any emotions real? No one knows. But what I do know is that everyone is always trying to fit in with society. People want to belong. The people who don't want to belong to society, to society are called insane. Yeah, I They're don't know. Outcasts. You know what I mean? They're called an outcast. Oh, that's crazy. Why would you think that way? Really? You know what's crazy to me is watching a society that's so polarized, everybody is speaking and acting and talking the same way. You guys are insane. I'm normal. Well, one th- you know, I agree. The, the one video you posted, it was that it was a subway in New York or somewhere, and some guy just walks right up to this woman and just punches her right in the face. And some big guy standing right next to her. No one does a damn thing about it. They just stand there. And the same situation happened, or similar situation happened in Philadelphia. A woman is being raped on a train for 30 minutes and no one does a damn thing. So when I hear this stuff about, oh, well, don't you care about other people? Don't you want to do it for the greater good? My answer is resounding no, absolutely not. As far as I'm concerned, the greater good sucks. All I do, I mean, I, you're probably more, maybe more compassionate than I am. Most people probably are. But I don't care about the greater good. I care about the people who love freedom. I want to work with them. But for these other people that are just going to stand there and not contribute anything to society that would allow a woman to get raped, that would allow a woman to get smacked on a train, not doing anything about it, as far as I'm concerned, those people are just dead. They're just taking up space. They're the cause of global warming. I don't know. 
Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, you could definitely view it that way. And and you know, I've actually I work concrete, and you know, I've been warning people about a certain trend that I've seen, and and I'm not bashing the trend because I felt it inside of myself. And and I don't think people really understand the dangers of it because it's no better than than what is you know formulating on the other side now. When you look at the left, right, and you look at these people that are punching women in the face, right, and they all do it in the name of change, right? We're the victims. We need change. You know, the only reason they're acting like that is because they had a hard life, right? That's been that that narrative on that side for a while. It's always been that way. It's all throughout history. But no one ever talks about the formulation of the thing on the other side, you know, the extremism of preservation. What do animals do when they want to preserve their habitat? What does a lion do? Devours everything. He just gets up one day and he starts destroying the entire Serengeti. He's eating everything. You can't have none of it, right? And what I've been seeing at Concrete is something similar in the speech of the men I work with. And these ain't just white men. You know, these are Spanish men. These are Brazilian men. These are black men. These are men of all colors. Hardworking men, rough hands, right? Their speech is shifting to that now. These people disgust me, they say, right? When they talk about them, their chest starts to increase the breathing. It, it, it becomes rapid. You can see their jaw clenching. That's that preservation. They feel like their environment's threatened. Everything they work for is that threat right now for some people who just claim they should have the right to take it from you. You think they're going to let that happen? No. What happens when they group in the millions? Then what? Well, then they start identifying the enemy. But the problem this time, right, is it's not a racial thing. It's not going to be, even though the narrative revolves on it, it won't be that. It'll be, do you have the wrong idea? If so, you're the enemy. And that applies to all colors. And it's fucking dangerous. But I don't think people understand how dangerous it is. Because once something like that starts, once that lion gets up and he starts eating everything, he's not stopping until he's eating everything. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And I know that I know that feeling that you're talking about very well because I felt it myself and I was like, Whoa. I didn't even know how to explain it at first. I was like, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, man. I was like, but this is some serious it's, shit. It's rage. I think, <laughs> I it, like, I think it's just rage. And I, I think yeah, the people is. should it's be like upset. A, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's healthy. It's a healthy reaction. It's a healthy reaction to, to be pissed off at people who sit there and do nothing when somebody's being assaulted, especially especially women. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's such a weird society right now, but I, this is gonna maybe this sounds strange to some people, but I'm under the, the belief. I love the idea that men and women can do whatever they want, but I think there is, like, you know, for the species' sake, there's some traditional values. Like, men should be very strong and they should protect others, and women need to be strong as well. But the men should, generally speaking, if somebody is attacking someone, men need to step up and start, you know, beating the crap out of people who would assault the innocent and the weak, protect the innocent and the weak. But instead, you've got a lot of these men out there that are very feminized. And, you know, hey, it's okay to, I guess you want to take care of yourself, groom yourself, but for God's sakes, man, you know, show some muscle and, and be a protector because this is how like, species fall. You think the other species on the planet, if they were acting the same way we do, that they'd be around? I feel like we're, maybe we're, this is part of our extinction. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that we're on the trajectory of being extinct? Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't. Um, you know, I think it's in danger, but I don't think that it's on the verge of becoming extinct. I think it's on the verge <laughs> of becoming what people don't want it to become. I think humanity is on the verge of discovering the truth that has always been the truth is that we are part of nature. You cannot deny this. And not only can you not deny it, but you cannot disregard it. You can't change that. We are primal in nature and men should be strong. 
I'm not saying it's bad if you're not a incredibly strong man, but you should have some strong features. And it's not a dig at women. It's not to say that women cannot be strong. Right. But as a man, I feel it's my duty to provide for my woman or my wife. I, it's my duty to provide for my family. I don't want my wife breaking her back every day working. I want her nurturing the children. I want her cooking meals for my child. I want her taking care of the children while I am bringing home and providing the essentials that she needs to do so. That's not bigotry. That is not toxic masculinity. That is nature. That's what nature intended man to do. And they're trying to change that, and you cannot change that. Nature is the iron fist of law. It is the iron bloody claw. It does not change. And when you try to change that nature, that nature is going to remind you that it is boss. And it's done so in history many times. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to remind us about this. And also when it comes to this stuff too, I mean, I wonder if that is fundamentally speaking a way that these elites are trying to really destroy any kind of resistance. Because if you don't have people that are strong, they're able to stand up and protect it. What makes, I mean, do you think that makes society, generally speaking, more vulnerable? If you don't have strong individuals, yeah, I mean that's definitely I, I've definitely seen that, and I agree with that statement a hundred percent. I think if you're gonna try to you know take over a civilization, or you know make sure that you can invade them, whatever whatever the case may be, obviously it would be beneficial to you to you know be to feminize the men. You know, and again, this is not a day woman, but it's it's just the way it is. That's nature. You know what I mean? Men are more prone to physical strength they're more prone to violence they're more prone to become comfortable with that violence and even though that's a, a people view that as a bad thing but it's true you know when women get into a disagreement they might say some nasty things about each other behind each other's back but when men get into disagreements they get physical they get that urge you know what i mean that's a man thing. there's nothing wrong with that man there's nothing wrong with that dude. you know what i mean they're trying to convince people it is and it's gonna backfire because people are gonna just be like not only am i not gonna listen to this nonsense anymore but i'm gonna show you why there's nothing wrong with it well, at this point, you know, I love the fact that you're you're trying to raise questions and make people aware of what's happening. But you know how they get to this point where they go, okay, well, everyone who's gotten the vaccine is is going to take it. Probably is, is done. Maybe they're not going to push the numbers up anymore. And I wonder, do you think that we're at that point where everyone is going to wake up who would wake up has woken up at this point, and the rest are just you know you may have a few people trickle in here and there. Do you think that? we're going to have a major, major surge in awakening, or do you think that we've kind of run the same kind of parallel reality with um, with the vaccines where you push really hard, you get many, many people, you can't take it, but eventually you get to the point where you just, you're just not going to get many more people on coming on board. What do you think? Um, that's actually a really good question. I mean, I, I think some people are waking up, but the problem is some people are still pretending that they're sleeping. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of people are just pretending that nothing's happening around them. A lot of people, you know, they they develop this coping technique, you know, and it, it applies to other things in life, not only this situation, but, you know, like like a cheating, a cheating husband, for example, right? What would a woman usually do that doesn't want to accept the fact that he's cheating? I don't believe it. He would never do that. That denial, I think that's there in society right now. I think a lot of people that you see right now, they know something's off. They feel it. They're telling themselves something's wrong right now, but they're trying to deny it because it makes them feel better about it. It makes them feel safer to deny it because they're going to convince themselves that would never happen here. So I don't know if we're going to get any more of an awakening, 
what I think is is going to come of this, and I don't want this to to come to fruition, but what I think is is that primal. I've talked about this extensively multiple times to multiple people. I think that primal nature in mankind is going to emerge again. I think people are going to get pushed to that brink, that that fiery rage is going. It's going to happen. You can only corner something for so long or try to deny something that is a part of you for so long before it lashes out at everything around you and i i, I it's just it's mind-boggling to me how we have all these so-called smart people everywhere and no one talks about it no one warns about it no no one wants to say anything about it no one everyone acts like this thing this is the, it's never happened it's happened already what's going to happen in australia already? i mean with australia the- the tyranny that they have, I think that North Korea is officially more free than, than Australia. I'm surprised. And I think, like, when is, if, it, if it was any place, if it was going to happen in Australia, is, is there any particular reason why you think in a situation like that with those people and extreme tyranny, why, why it wouldn't occur there? Because I figured that that would, uh, that, would be a, that would be like a precipice of something there else. I figured, you know, if, if it happened in Australia, I figured it would happen anywhere. I figured it would happen, like, if it happens in one place, then other people would start doing it. But I just can't understand. I don't understand how those people in Australia right now are just are are surviving. I mean, apparently they're getting their homes seized, their bank accounts seized because of COVID fines that they had last year, and they have to check in with the government every five seconds. I mean, even George Orwell, nineteen eighty four, doesn't have the tyranny in Orwell that Australia has. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, man, it's crazy, and I, I think you know one of the problems with Australia is that you know they gave up their firearms. They gave their right to carry arms. I think they gave up their right to carry arms. I don't think they gave their right, but they gave away their guns. I think it was like a buyback program. It was, I think it was in like 2014, if I'm not mistaken. But they gave away a lot of their firearms, and they, and they disarmed themselves. It's a foolish, foolish thing to do. And I think that's the, one of the main reasons that America hasn't fell into that, that, that abyss of chaos like Australia has right now, that totalitarian, you know, COVID gulag camp right in your face and we're going to tell you that it's not, it's for your health. There's nothing you can do about it. I think that is the main reason why. If you think of America, right? Oh, how many firearms are here? Legal and illegal. Doesn't matter. Think about how many are here. I, I don't know the, the generals of name. He's a Japanese general from World War II. I think it was World War II. But um, he, he, he had a uh, quote and he said, if any country was to invade the United States, they would face a rifle behind every blade of grass. Basically saying it's impossible. You can't. There's too many. They, they, their citizens are all armed there. And I think that's what's preventing them from, you know, fully. In, because if we, if we weren't armed the way we were, we would be just like Australia right now. A hundred percent. There's not a doubt in my mind. Not a doubt in my mind. The reason we, the reason they have not done that, in my opinion, is most definitely because we still have a lot of citizens, a lot of a lot of people that are not going to tolerate that, that are well armed, trained, and they're not going to have that shit, and they know that. But I, I just wonder what that breaking point is going to be, because I, I, you know, I'm surprised that more so many people went along with the lockdowns in the U.S. I'm surprised that they went along with the mask. Like as of right now, I, I don't I don't wear a mask at all ever. I mean, I had to walk in to get pick up my dog from a vet, and I. And I put on some dopey thing briefly, and it wasn't even. But for the most part, I don't ever wear that stuff. But I guess, but but they they keep on pushing. They keep on pushing for these new things. What do you think is going to be the breaking point where people are finally going to say enough? 
because I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I'm, I'm surprised how much has happened without any kind of uh, counter reaction. You know, one of the problems and why people hasn't reached the breaking point is, you know, it's kind of like what I was stating earlier about that denial. You know, a lot of people will just deny things until they adapt to it. Well, it ain't that bad. You know, it's just a mask. It's not that bad. You know, it's just, it's just two days a week we can't leave our house. It's not that bad. We'll, we'll survive, right? People do that. They just take it. And you have people like that. But then you have people who, you know, let it build. They let it fester. You know, like, like me or you. No, it's just getting, it's getting to the point where it's just utterly unbearable now. I can't, every time I turn on the news, I hear COVID. I hear some, some woke garbage dribble. And that is there as well. And I think if anything is going to make it reach the breaking point, the breaking point, it would be what's going on right now with the children. You know, not only are they trying to target them with mandates, but the curriculum, the curriculum and the things they're pulling in education is just absolutely outrageous. A hundred percent outrageous. So it'd either be that or the food. I think if food starts to get really scarce around here, you're going to see some really barbaric things start to happen. I don't think people really fathom what society would look like if people had to start doing whatever was necessary to make sure that they eat. That will send shit into, like, it will get really dark around here really fast. I, I agree. And, you know, if you look at, I think it was McDonald's, they had some kind of special sauce. Like, they once, they did some kind of promotion a few years ago where they had some kind of special sauce that they don't release, and they ran out of sauce. And there were riots over the special sauce. And I was like, well, that's, yeah. that's a foreshadow yeah. what's going to happen here. <laughs> Dude, it's insane, man. It's, it's Yeah, I, I think it was like last year. Was it maybe last year or the summer before? The, the new Popeye's chicken sandwich. People get shot over a sandwich. Is that uh, crazy? It's, it's, it's insane, dude. It's like this is where society – and that's because, you, that's, it's because you know, tech has made people like legitimate digital cattle. Because we're social creatures too. Like we're primal, we're social. We want to belong to the group. We're urged to do it. We have to be part of some kind of group. We want to be in. We don't want to be alone. If we're not a part of a group, we feel alone. And I'm against that. I can't stand that. I think it's the worst possible mentality to have. I'm trying to get people I to agree with that. you on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, what, uh, what about your personal life? Though? I mean, is it your personal life? How do you, how do, you do with it? You like, um, do you try to talk to your family and friends? Is it hard for you? Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I've gotten through a couple good friends and then I've also had people who I thought were friends who are never really friends at all. You know, people surround themselves with a lot of, a lot of fake illusions, a lot of things, you know, they stay in these certain comfortable environments, friends, family, wife, girlfriend, whatever. It's, it could be the most toxic thing, but they keep it around because it's familiar and it's all they know. And I have gotten through to a few friends. Um, and you know, they amazed me with the way how they're, they're growing and they're starting to develop the same skills that I have, you know, questioning everything, trying to, you know, expand your mind on all this shit because it's important. It's so important. I mean, we go through our li- entire lives trying to be a part of some kind of group belonging to something. We do it all the time and it's dangerous. That's how bad things happen because you can get to the point where you start to gr- view that group as family. It's for the greater good of what you were talking about. That's what that is. And that's, it's extremely dangerous. I think tech has enabled something that, you know, is a very serious threat to mankind. I don't think people fathom how much of the ability we lost to communicate face to face with each other, how much of the ability we have lost to actually see 
what reality really is and not some digital constructed narrative of a reality, you know? And what people don't understand with tech, and it's a major, major problem, is that they have an algorithm that predicts your behavior. But not only does it predict your behavior, it feeds you certain things to see or hear or certain friends that you would might, you know, feed you similar things or feed you things that you don't want to see. And they do this, and that's what they collect from that data, and they're feeding this to people every single day. And they can predict your behavior off the narratives that they get best suitable for it from these algorithms. It's called algorithmic behavioral theory. It's a real thing. This is, they've been testing this for years, and it's almost like playing God because if you can control what someone sees, right, the, the, what, the reason people become who they are, they develop behavioral patterns or, you know, certain, you know, tastes, certain things they like, whatever it is, right? They develop it through their environment. They develop it through what they experience through life. Now, if you can control that, right, and you can construct it and you have all of the tech, all the technology and certain tools to make it where they're seeing what you want them to see every single day, nonstop, 24-7, you're going to shape those people to what you want. You're going to predict their behaviors. You're going to control. You're going to construct them. You created them. You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. And no one talks about this. And this is a known thing. It's not like this is not some unknown thing. And that's why I get so, I get so frustrated and disgusted with some of these big name accounts on Twitter, you know, that, that are supposed, you know, freedom of patriots. It's like, you don't speak about any of these things. You're not warning about none of this. You're not even educating people on these problems. It's just the left versus right narrative. And I'm like, it's foolish. Right. You should be un- explaining to people because this is, this is a huge problem. And not only are they not explaining it, but they're still feeding into it. And it makes me question things. I'm like, this whole scenario of right and left, if you really look at it, if you're on Twitter and you don't comment anything, you don't post, you, don't, you just read, right? And you see all the big name patriots, all the things. And this is not a dick towards them. And if any one of them feels like it is, they can call me out. That's fine. We can discuss it. I mean, it's not a problem to me. But if you go on there and you watch it, you see them all retweeting the same things. You see them all, you know, retweeting the same. It's an echo chamber. Yep. And um, I'm really good. And it's feeding that machine. And it's like, I don't, it's just, it bothers me. And I've been calling them out. I've been calling out good. people on both sides. You know what I mean? And it should be done. It should be done. Should do it. There's a gentleman we've had on our show twice before, and I, I don't know if you know who he is. His name is Jason Kristoff, and he's really interesting because he talks about how if you change someone's environment, you can predict their behavior. And he actually did a course where he, he took a bunch of people and he laid out a scenario, and people were all coming to the same conclusions because he was able to control the environment. So there's a deep psychological um, component mm-hmm. to it, and I'll post links to it. But there are people on Twitter like I. Jesse Ventura, who's always you know been the independent guy against machine, is now uh, he seems to be a shield for the pharmaceutical companies, really pushing for this stuff. And then, of all the people I never expected, Noam Chomsky is out there saying that people who are not vaccinated should be uh, you know segregated. And we've had uh, Chris Hedges on our show before, and Chris is I think he's really interesting. But he at one point said Noam was one of our greatest intellectuals, and I just find it really strange that. It's like you find people who you, you at one point maybe you really loved or respected or admired to some degree, and then you see some statements and it's like, wow, they got to them too, or they got the disease. I feel like it's it's kind of like The Walking Dead where like, oh man, they got bit. They're going to be a zombie now. 
Jeez, I don't know why it's happening though. Is there any particular reason why you think that some of these people are just getting compromised and they're just, you know, they at one point they seem like they were on the side of freedom and now they're just, you know, on the other side. What do you think happens to them? I think, uh, you know, this this ties into, you know, the Machiavellian theory of adaptability. I think some people, if they feel like it's a losing battle, then why keep fighting it? You know, adapt and survive. Wave the white flag. Pretend you went along with it the entire time. I think that's what you see with a lot of that. You know, they, they, they gave up. They got scared. There's no way we can, we can stop this machine. Let's just become a part of it. That's that's entirely what I what I think that is. And I have oh I have zero God. respect for that. Me too. Me too. From your perspective, what are some questions that people should be asking themselves right now? That maybe they're not even asking. And I'm talking to not not just, just just people who are who are questioning narrative. Like, what are the questions do you think people should be asking themselves and asking about the world? Yeah, I mean, there's so many questions. I I the main question I would tell people to to ask themselves is, you know, why is it so important to question the things that you question? Question the question. Question the question of the question. Question everything. Because if you want to know about everything, it's not about searching for the answer. The answer is in the question. That's how you get to everything. You know, when you question language, when I, when I question the first thing that really I started opening my mind was language. When I started questioning language, why is language so powerful? What is so important about language? What came first, language or the thought? And when I think, do I think with my thoughts or do I think with language that are created by my thoughts? How is this even possible? You see, how, that's that question on the top of the question. That's how you. That is so important. That's so vital to building such a strong, independent, cognitive mind. Because then you start to break through this matrix. You start to break through this facade of everything around you. Everything that's been bombarding you ever since you were born into this world. The societal contract that you didn't even agree to, but you signed anyway? Nonsense. I never signed anything. I don't want to speak and behave and pretend and like the same things like everybody else because I'm not a part of everybody else. I'm only a part of myself. And it doesn't mean that I don't like everybody else. It just means that I'm putting myself first. And you can only arrive to this conclusion if you question everything. Because if you don't, you're going to live the one life that you have. You only get one of these. There's no remakes. It's just one. And you're only going to live that one life in the entirety of it, doing everything possible to not only be loved or liked or, you know, being a part of everybody else, but then you never find yourself. And I think that's what hell is. I think hell is when you're arriving to the point where you know that your life's about to be over and you realize that you spent the entire portion of it trying to be something that you were never meant to be. And it's, it's sad. It's honestly sad to me. You know, it's, 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 People think they're alive out here. They think they think they're really living out here. Are you? You're obeying a bunch of rules. We were obeying a bunch of rules before this. Going along with a bunch of things before this. Following trends before this. 
you know, I made a tweet earlier about dreams, right? I said, how can you say that you're chasing dreams if your dream is the same dream as everybody else? White picket fence, car, home, wife, whatever, right? And I'm not dogging that dream. People immediately lashed out at me. Oh, no, that's, that's the most outrageous statement. I can't believe you said that hard hat. I'm like, I just want you to think about that, though, right? Your dream is the same dream as everybody. Everybody's trying to achieve the same thing. That can't be possible. That's not feasible. How did everybody come to the conclusion they all wanted that same thing? They didn't. They got to that conclusion that they all wanted the same thing because that's been groomed into you by something outside of you that you have no control over, and that was created for a specific reason. And that's the question of the question of the question. <laughs> that's what that is, my friend. Josh, the hard hat intellectual, and thank you so much for spending time with us today. And I think you had some really interesting questions and answers, and I think this is going to make a lot of people think. You can learn more about Josh by going to Twitter and checking out his hashtag, well, the, the handle, hard hat intellect, and we'll post a link to it. Josh, thank you so much. Hey, no problem, brother. The pleasure is all mine. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace. Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.